The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If the Lord is filling you with the knowledge of his will, give me an amen. Amen. The blessing is flowing into your life as a result of that. Give me an amen. Amen. All right, let's take our seats. Let's open our Bibles again. I want us to start again today from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6. We have been speaking about total faith and uh, having explained the concept of faith being all round, I'm now beginning to speak about how to build up your faith, what you can do specifically um, in building up your faith, your own efforts that you can put into the activity. Let's start again from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6, which we read last time. Because we read it last time, I will not read um, too many of the verses, just so that we can save some time. Let's just go down straight to verse 4. He said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. He said, These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. He said, you shall, bind them on, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and, you shall, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, because um, I mentioned it last time, let me just read it again, verses 6 and 7 from the Amplified Bible. It says, And these words which I am commanding you this day shall first be in your own minds and hearts. Then you shall wet and sharpen them so as to make them penetrate and teach and impress diligently upon the minds and hearts of your children. That is, the aim is to make them penetrate so as to enter into the heart of your, of your, the hearts and minds of your children. And how do you do that? How do you sharpen it? You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Now that's reading that from the Amplified Bible. That's the first portion we are reading today. Quickly go over again to the book of Psalms. I want us to read Psalm 1. In Psalm 1, it goes like this. From verse 1, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates. I read this so as to bring out the word meditate. In the law he meditates day and night. He said, if a man does this, he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and his leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. Please, I want you to understand it. He said, a man, I've said this over the last few meetings, I've explained this, that what comes to you in life is not, first of all, your desire. What you will experience in life is based upon where you have positioned yourself. You can decide to sit in a particular place. You can decide to stand in a particular um, way on the path. Or you can be the one walking 
in a particular council. You choose, choose the ones you want to do. And based upon that, things flow into your life. Last time I spoke about predestination again, and I emphasized the fact that predestination does not mean that whatever God has determined will happen. Predestination means that God has set paths in place, and anyone you choose, the end has been predetermined. And God has a will. What is God's will? That is his own personal desire. That is the thing that he wrote concerning your life. It does not mean it will automatically come to pass. It is when you make the right choices that your life goes in the way that God desired. The fact that God desires something does not mean it will happen automatically. God desires to take the children of Israel into the promised land, but they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. It was written, you will leave Egypt, you will go into the promised land, but they did not enter. So the will of God does not come to pass automatically. That was why the Lord Jesus taught us to pray like this, thy will be done. Are you getting my point? If it came to pass automatically, that would be a nonsense prayer point. The fact that prayer is needed to make something happen is proof to you that that thing does not happen automatically. So that's what it is about predestination. And we'll be looking at this. Now, the man that does not stand in the way of sinners, uh, stand in the path of sinners, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, what is he supposed to do? Life or nature, we're told in elementary physics, refuses a vacuum. Nature does not life like a vacuum. What it means is that if you are not doing this, you must be doing something else. You cannot just be perfectly neutral. That's just the way it is. If you are not doing one, you're on the other side. So if you are not walking the counsel of the wicked, if you are not standing in the path of sinners, or sitting in the seat of scoffers, what that means is that there is something else that you are doing. That is how it is. And, and if you go to the scriptures, anytime God says, don't do this, you will notice he always says, do this one. Walk in the spirit. That is how you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. It's always like that. He will tell you that don't do this, but you shall do this. Do not, he said, um, in fact, let me just quote it. I wanted to refer to it, but so as to save our time, we all know it very well. The book of Joshua chapter 1, in verse 9. He said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate. That's the way it is. It must not, you must not get to a particular position in which the book of the law is not found with you in your, in your mouth. He says, so what do you do therefore? You will meditate, which is why I'm reading this. It's the same principle. If you are not going to walk in these wrong ways, then it will be because you have occupied yourself with a particular thing. And what is that thing? It is meditating in the law of God day and night. Now, let me clearly explain the meaning of that word meditate. Before I do that, let me just remind us of what we said last time briefly concerning the ambience of faith. We said that what God wants to do, or God wants us to do, is to create a, a faith environment around us. An environment in which faith can grow, an environment in which faith can be expressed. That's what I mean by the ambience of faith. That is something, you be in a particular um, um, spiritual atmosphere where the word of God can work in your life. It is possible for God to want to do something and he's not able to do it. We need to get this point very clear into our hearts. It is possible that God will say, this is what I want to do and he will not do that thing. Why? Because ability was withdrawn from him. Why? Because of our unbelief. And we are able to hinder what God wants to do. The Bible says that they tempted God in the wilderness and they limited the Holy One of Israel. They set a mark, they set a point which he couldn't move beyond. It is possible for us to limit what God wants to do in our lives. And God said, if, if, if I want to bless you, therefore, I want you to make it possible for me to bless you. If my glory is going to flow into your life, 
you must have prepared a way by which it can flow. That's what we read that one from the book of Isaiah chapter 40. We're not reading that now. So, what God was saying, therefore, to the children of Israel, I want to bless you. He says, so you must create around you the atmosphere of faith. It is important. That is when my blessing can flow into your life. If you do not have that correct atmosphere around, even though I am present with you, all right, I will not be able to stretch my blessing into your life. Jesus went to his own hometown, and the people there could not be blessed by him. So what is our own lesson? Create your ambience of faith. Create an atmosphere around you. And that's why we read from that Deuteronomy chapter um, 6. He said, what do you do? You talk about it day and night. You talk about the word of God when you get up. You talk about the word of God when you are going out. You talk the word of God. I don't want to say about now. I withdraw that. You talk God's word as you go out. You talk that word as you return. You talk that word as you are lying down. You talk that word as you are getting up in the morning. It is the thing that permits your thoughts. It's the thing that permits your talk. All right? So that anytime you're talking, your words are framed with the counsel of God that you have learned. That is how you create the ambience of faith around you. Now, let me explain the meaning of this word meditate again. All right? For those of us who do not know. Meditate in English, the way most of us look at it, is as if you sit down and you are thinking. And listen, there is a right place for thinking like that in Christianity. There is. All right? You sit down and you are reasoning. But when the Bible uses the word meditate, especially in this, part, in this context now, um, Psalm 1 and that Joshua chapter 1 in verse 8, what he was saying is that in his law you talk to yourself day and night. The literal Hebrew means to mutter. You understand? Because you see, um, when you are thinking, let's be honest about it. Thinking is, so, a, a mind, I don't know about your mind, all right? But human mind, if mind is anything like a not common one, it's difficult to control. Okay, you are, you are a Hindu, I mean, you've, you, you're a Hindu, you've done all these things, and you can control your mind very well. Maybe. But if I have a witness, can I hear an amen? amen. A witness is somebody who believes what I've said, though. Don't lie. If you can control your mind, don't say amen, all right? But if you, be, you understand what I mean by the mind can just wander, say amen. amen. It can be very difficult to control. It can be very difficult to control. The one that is easier to control is the mouth. The mouth is easier to control. If you want to pray, your mind can travel any direction. But once you start talking, right here, I'm preaching. Do you know I can never say anything? I can't mistakenly start talking about the weather unless it's part of my message. But you listening, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> you can hear me halfway here. You just remember, ah, did I close my window? <laughs> that is it. I'm here preaching away, trying my best to bless you. And you don't even, I'm not saying, somebody say amen. Say, oh, if you are going to die this year, shout amen. You'll have shouted amen before. <laughs> Why? Because the mind is not there. The mind just wanders. And God knows that. So what did he put in place? He say, when he says meditate, he talks about talking. It's about muttering, all right? You take the word of God and mutter it. So he said, in fact, let me just say something. All right, let me say what he said here. So he said, if you will not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or move in, stand in the path of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers, the only way is that you will be meditating in the word of God day and night. Let me tell you something, what I wanted to say. I remember when I was in school, there was one of our senior brothers, when I was on campus. One day he stayed over, he came... 
from town. I think he was graduating or he came back for something in school. I think I just graduated. So he stayed over in our room. And that was my first experience with somebody like him. After a while, you know, like Americans would say, he was freaking me out. I wasn't used to it. It was my, it was my, my earlier days in school when I was just learning the word of faith. He couldn't keep quiet. He wasn't, we were only two in the room. He came with some of the brothers. They, they left. I was in the room. He was there. And I noticed that this fellow wouldn't keep quiet. And he was not talking to me. He wasn't talking to me. Neither was he praying. I didn't know that this man had gone far ahead of the rest of us in spirituality. At the point that I wanted to leave the room because I became afraid that is this guy normal? Why? It was later on I realized it. We now learned it. Everything he's doing, he's talking. You know, he, he brings out the book and he starts discussing to him with himself how he's above alone, how he can do everything, how nothing is a problem for him. And I kept on looking at is this guy normal? I almost ran away from the place. Though. I'm not kidding. No, I'm not exaggerating. Now, now I can't remember what I actually did. I suspect I did. After a while, I said, this guy is risky. I, maybe I wore my slippers and took his through till other people came back. But the thing is that he was talking God's word. I remember him very well. forgotten his name. But what, I, what I'm talking about is the fact that he wouldn't keep quiet. I don't think he kept quiet till he fell asleep. That is what the Bible calls meditating. That is what it calls meditating. That is, the mouth is busy. It's talking. And the man wasn't, wasn't, he wasn't talking nonsense. He was discussing God's word. I, rem- I remember very well. He was quoting one scripture. He's telling himself things. He's telling his mind things. He's telling his life things. He kept on talking throughout. That is the meaning of the word meditate. One, of the, one thing that came to my mind, apart from that brother that made me laugh earlier, is the fact that if you behave like that, you don't need to try not to walk in the path of, sit in the path of sinners. The sinners will not give you the seat. You don't need to try and say, I will not sit in the path of sinners. Just meditate in the word of God day and night. They will not give you that chair. If you come and, talk, and start quoting scripture, if I, I remember <laughs> my chief medical director when I just left school, that's the hospital where I did my housemanship. Once I went to visit him because somebody who knew me was introduced me to him that is a Christian, that I should go and visit him. So one of those days, those my early days, I went to visit the man. And now he had his own habits, let me put it like that, okay? He had his own matters. So I'm not saying whether his matters were good or bad. But there's something he said. So I came to his office to come and see him. And he decided that they were wicked people. He decided. All right? He decided that they were wicked people. And they are evil people. And he's going to make them uncomfortable. So when they sat after a while, he said he has his way of doing that. They will soon run. <laughs> now listen to this. He just started talking. And as he's talking, he started explaining how Jesus had defeated the devil. How all the counsels of the enemy will come to nothing. How Jesus is exalted. After I went through to the people, got up and left. He said he said this. <laughs> he said he walks all the time. That when these evil people come, just start talking the word of God. That they will run away. Because <laughs> I remember very well. I was a very young boy. I just left school. And this was a very senior person. I just sat in his office very humbly. 
He said, that's what they do. That he, he perceived the evil they came with. That, that's how he drives them all the time. He just starts exalting the name of Jesus and they will run. Whether it's because of their spiritual problem or they didn't like the man. All I know is that once the man started, true, true. They said, it's all right, sir. Okay, sir, thank you very much. And they got up and left. He said, you see, that it all works all the time. What about them to explain? <laughs> you don't want to sit in the seat of sinners, of scoffers. Don't worry. Meditate in the word of God day and night. They will not give you that chair. They won't give you that chair. It is not possible. Listen, the ambience around you will make them not want you around. That's why I said that, listen, God does not... Some of the things where we put our effort in trying to do right in life, that's not where the Lord wants us to put our effort. Many times what he just wants is, he gives us little things to do. Like this one, he said, quote your words all the time with scripture. Now, scripture is not just about quoting. You quote, that is good. But just frame all your ideas with God's word. You will discover that the sinners don't even want you around. They will discover that your counsel is not good for them. So both of you will separate from each other without anybody even trying. You are getting what I'm going to explain here. That's what we are talking about. So I'm trying to emphasize the meaning of the word meditate. Let's start with that. Remember last time I emphasized this issue that God said you will talk about the word when you lie down, when you get up. I emphasized so much last time about the importance of the ambience around you. Now, what I'm going on to talk about today is how to create the right environment around you yourself. Whether you are alone or especially when you are with people of like passion. Where I ended with last time is from that book of Malachi. Let's quickly go back there. I think I should read that. That book of Malachi. There are simple things that the Lord has given us to do in life. If we do them, believe me, life is much easier. Being a believer is much easier that many of us think. The book of Malachi chapter 3. Don't worry, I'm not reading verse 8. Will a man rob God? <laughs> Let me just tell you, you shouldn't rob God, amen? You should not. I don't know how you intend to do it, but... <laughs> Whichever method you want to use, avoid it, all right? If I don't pay my tithes and offerings complete, am I robbing God? That's the topic for another time. Anyway, that's not our message. The Lord is good. Uh, just by the way, everything you read in the scriptures, there is a spirit, okay? And you tap into that spirit, that's what God is trying to pass into the life of believers. Now, what I want is from verse um, um, 13. He said, your words have been arrogant against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said, it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his charge? And that we have walked in mourning, that is in humility, in, uh, you know, contriteness, all right, before the Lord of hosts. He said, what we are experiencing is verse 13, verse 15. The arrogant are blessed. Not only are the doers of wickedness built up, but they also test God and escape. Uh, let me just pause for a moment. Remember last time I said that when God said, you've been arrogant against me, it wasn't, most times people conspire against the Lord or speak against the Lord, they don't even have to be addressing him directly. 
They're just talking about matters. And the way they reason about things, okay, decides whether they are, they are being arrogant or conspiring against God or not. I'll read something, then I'll amplify something I said last time. Verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord gave attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name. Notice something. Some people were arrogant against God by the way they spoke. But some feared God and they spoke to one another. And the Lord heard it. Please notice this. Everything you are saying, the Lord is hearing. You will see the importance in a moment. Everything you are saying, the Lord is hearing. The Lord said in verse 17, These people, they will be mine, says the Lord of hosts. On the day that I prepare my own possessions. He said, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. Now let me stop here and quickly explain what I want, I want to say. We began this one last time. This was where we ended. I'm picking up from there. What I'm going to say today, let me just summarize my message for you in a few sentences and then we'll, de- we'll develop it deeply. I'm going to emphasize that the ambience around you is important. We did that last time. But what we are going to today is how to create the right ambience around yourself. All right? How to create it. Now, I'm emphasizing to us the words we speak, what we meditate on. When the Bible talks about meditation, when the Bible talks about meditation, all right, what that means is what you are muttering, the things that consume your heart and then overflow in the words that come out of your mouth. That is what the Bible calls meditation. And I'm going to emphasize to us that what we are saying every time the Lord is hearing, and that thing is attracting or repelling the spirit of faith towards or from us. Very important. Now, I was going to say something. How you judge matters in life. You know, the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 12, very famous scripture, very popular one, verse 1. It said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let me explain the meaning of the word mind again. That word mind was talking about how you interpret things. Let me emphasize that. The word mind talks about how things make meaning to you, how you interpret things. That is how information is decoded. Is decoded. You know, I was talking to my colleagues a few days ago. Uh, was he? Uh, yesterday or the day before yesterday, to be precise. All right? Just yesterday or the day before. And he was talking about how he went somewhere. And, ah, this is a clear case of tribalism. This was what happened. When he finished, I said, are you sure? He said, no, no, I, I know what I'm saying. I said, so they did not employ you because they were being tribalistic. He said, yes. Ah, he said, don't mind those people. He was talking to me. So I was looking at him. All right? So I began to ask him a few questions. By the time he was, I was done, I said, you see, you decided it was tribalism because that was what you wanted to see. I said, you decided it was tribalism because it was already in your mind. Now, please, I'm, I, I, I don't want to give details of the gist. The summary of it was that he went somewhere to ask for employment. And they told him simply, we have reserved the position for this person. Now, if you know the way my profession is, all right, when you're going to postgraduate training, at a point in time, you're a junior registrar when you start. Then you become a senior registrar after you pass the first set of exams. 
And then when you finish the second set of exams, this, each one takes like two to three years in between, all right? Then you are said to be a specialist. You cannot be employed as a consultant. Now, he had finished, he was a specialist, and he went to a place to go and apply for work, and they told him to his face that, he said, even though there is space for somebody like you, we are not giving you because we have reserved it for somebody who has not yet qualified as a specialist. The person is still in training as a senior registrar. Are you getting the point? So he told me, he said, you see, it was tribalism. I said, hey, is that so? I told him a story. I said, a, a, a hypothetical situation. I said, let us assume that I become the president of Nigeria, I, banking, and I start putting people in positions in office around me. I said, let's assume I take one of my very good friends. I say, oh, um, I need a lawyer. Most lawyers I know, actually, who are close to me, they are from Enugu. Okay? So I pick somebody from Enugu. Now, let, I, I give an example. I say somebody like Kingsley. Kingsley and I were, those are the ones I used to go and do uh, programs. Kingsley used to drive. He was a student in UNEC here. Are you getting me? He would drive. Two, two of us would go and do seminars in the University of Benin. I said, if I put him in position, you would think I'm detribalized. You don't realize that I'm being, <laughs> I just gave my friend a position. I don't know whether I get to my point. Okay? I, I, I told a number of stories. I said, let us assume again. I, I, give, I give someone like my friend, Topsy in Lagos. I give him a position. You think I'm spreading it. What you not know is that everybody I've given a position, they are my personal people. I said, I schooled in the University of Benin, so I happen to know people a lot from different parts of the South. I told you before, my best man when I got married is an Igbo man. If, if I offend today and my wife needs to report me, the only person she reports me to is an Igbo man. It is not because I love Igbo people. It is because they are my friends. <laughs> I don't know whether you are getting what I'm going to say. It does not, it, they're just my brethren. We were in school together. But if I'm in politics, you won't know that. Because your mind is about national distribution of positions. I will occupy the position with only my friends and you will not know. Because one will be from Edo State, one will be from Delta, one will be from Enugu, one will be from Anambra, one will be from Umahia, one will come from Plato State. I will occupy all the positions with my friends and you will think I'm a nice guy. I don't know what you're getting from what I say here. See, I said... But do you know why you will say it like that? Because you have a tribal mind. Somebody who doesn't have a tribal mind will look closer and quickly discover that all of them were in the University of Benin. And you call it universitism. <laughs> it's not tribalism anymore. But most people who don't realize that, they, don't, they won't connect it. And I'll be having a nice time. Now, I'm not going to say, look at the other way again. Let us assume, okay, that I schooled in University of Ife. That's Obafemi Awolo University. University of Ife, when I was in, when people like us entering university those days. I said, let's just assume so. So naturally, you will find out that because most people there are from the West, most of my friends will be from the West. Assuming that when I finished, I didn't come to Enugu like I did, and like I did in real life, I got a job in Ibadan. Then you'll find that most people I know will also be from the West. So when I start occupying an office, if I start putting my friends in office, if you have a tribal mind, you are going to interpret that as what? 
tribalism. Meanwhile, the reality is, is friendism. You know what they call friendism? You know, I have to invent words to make my message clear. This is my own message I'm preaching. <laughs> now, please, why did I tell all this story? To let, you, for let you, to let you know what they call the mind. The mind is how you interpret things that you encounter in life. And that was why I gave the quote from the mouth of Napoleon. He said, don't ascribe to conspiracy what can be explained by incompetence. Because what I was saying, renew your mind, my friend, and start with competency before you start talking about whether somebody is from here or not from here. I have a colleague. He's an expert in drawing nepotic lines. What I mean is this. If I shake your hand and say, Chooks, how are you doing? He will, within a short while, he has connected who your wife is, her uncle, how her uncle is indirectly related with my younger brother's senior sister. And how, by the time he finishes, he will say, that's why I shook your hand. The only way, I told him that you have a problem. No, I told him, to his face. The only way he can interpret anything is always between, is a matter of blood relation, marriage relation, village man, village woman. That's, that's, that's all of it. He doesn't even remember that they went to the same church. He doesn't even remember that they were in class together. That's what the Bible calls mind. I hope, I hope you have this issue of mind. Ben Carson told the story of how he went to the, to, to, to the words as a, um, as a resident doctor in Johns Hopkins. And because he was a black man in a neurosurgery world, the nurse just looked at him and said, have you come to carry the next patient for surgery? Assuming he was an oddly. And he just smiled and clarified for her that, no, I am Dr. Carson. said the woman was embarrassed. Now, he could, and in this world, the world of today, they call it what they call racism. He said, no. He said, put yourself in the woman's shoes. She has never seen a black resident on her words. All the black people she had ever seen were oddlies. It's not racism, it's experience. He said, I could have made a lot of noise. Read this book, Be Gifted Hands. The story is inside there. He said, I could have made a lot of noise. He said, no. But I just smiled gently to her. He said, all the, the, till he retired, I'm sure, or the woman most likely retired first. But till they stopped working together, she was loyal to him, to the core. Because she was always trying to pay off. Because that slight was intense for them. But for him, he took no offense. He said, think about it. What do you expect her to think? Think about it. I mean, when he got the job as what they call chief of pediatric neurosurgery, it was news. A black man, Johns Hopkins, chief of pediatric neurosurgery. People told him, listen to this, very, because you see, in Nigeria we have to address these issues. People told him and said that when he went to apply for work, when he finished his residency training, he left, went to Australia, worked for some time, came back, and he applied for the position when they told him the position was open as a chief of pediatric neurosurgery. And his friends came and said, don't worry, they will not employ you. Better come to where you can do good for your black people, for your brothers, no black brother. Once people start calling themselves brother, brother, brother like that, most of the time they feel oppressed. That's the issue. All this conspiracy of oppressed people. I'm telling you. <laughs> they say, come and do something for your brother, brother. 
So he was smiling. He said, look, you know these white people? They said everything to him about white people. He smiled. He didn't bother. He went up, applied for his job, went for his interview, and unanimously, a pure white board, every man or woman on that board was a white person. They said, this man is the best person for the job, and they gave him that job. Are you getting my point? Everybody that predicted that he wouldn't get it was wrong. Please, I'm talking about the mind. The mind is how you interpret things. And the Bible says, you must be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's an active process. It's something that you do deliberately. You must say to yourself, henceforth, I must interpret the events of my life with the word of God. Now, there's a reason why I said all of these things. I'm sure you know what the mind means now. You are very clear about it. Okay? Alright? Mind is, if, for example, I'm going on the road, I see okay, Muti, and I don't greet him. What does that mean? You can say he's angry with him. Or he did not see him. Or he expected him to greet him first. You can interpret anyway. Whatever conclusion you come to is what the Bible calls what? Mind. The way you did it. It said you must be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, you see why I'm saying this in a moment. Why I told all, all that story. As believers, we must recognize one thing. The power belongs to God. Somebody say that, please. One more time. Remember, I began trying to emphasize something about those that fear the Lord spoke often one to another. And that's where I was. Now listen to this. Things happen in life. How do we interpret them? APC government is in power. Is this the change you voted for? There is no hope for a young man in this country. Listen to me. That statement is an insult to God. Do you know why? You have taken power away from God and given to APC. Did you hear what I said? Yes, sir. Because you said APC is the reason why a young man will not make progress in the country. Now, you're talking to yourself. I mean, you're not talking to God. You and your friend, you are just in your room. You're talking over two bottles of Gouda Max, which has loosened your tongue. So you are saying what is really in your mind. And we start analyzing it. Listen to it. The way the former president and the next president after the current president and the three of them, the way they are going, we can never do well in this country. You have insulted God. You have said the power belongs to man. Are you following what I'm saying? Let me give an example. Why were you not promoted? My boss does not like me. You have insulted God. You are saying the power belongs to your boss. Let me tell you the truth. <laughs> when we are speaking one to another, that is what you know. If you were not promoted in the office, somebody say, what happened? This is the statement that should come from your mouth. 
maybe it did not please the Lord at this time. Even though the boss came to you and said, let me tell you, Uche, you will not get it this time. And he carries it out. And you get the details of the entries. How they, they want, I mean, they needed an appraisal score of 75 and above for you to qualify for the next position. And the man could easily have given you 75. He deliberately gave you 73. If you say he is the reason why I'm not making progress, you have insulted the Lord. You have said the power belongs to my boss. That's why I talked about mind. I spoke extensively about mind. You know, I, I want to digress. All right? When I meditate on some things and it excites me, I like to share it sometimes. All right? Now, remember I'm talking about renewing the mind. And as, as believers, our minds must be trained with God's word. I say this all the time. What, for, because we are Christians and we are learning God's word, we should know exactly what makes for the future of our children? Are you getting my point? Sometimes when people are discussing, and they're talking about school for your child, where your child should grow up, which country, and all of that. <laughs> you know, I say all the time, don't mind me, but mind me very well because I'm telling the truth. Okay? The country your child is born says nothing about whether he'll do well in life. The, what does it say? Zero. Nothing. What did I say? Zero. It says zero about whether your child will do well in life or will not. You can have your child, like I say all the time, anywhere you like in the world. But believe me, nothing has been spoken concerning his destiny. That is why, personally, I don't break my head over it. It's not about money. It's not even about... Um, um, it, my basic reason is that, for me, there's nothing. Zero. So if you say, okay, will your... For me, I consider it like, should your wife deliver in Parkland or UNTH? That's how I look at it. Lagos, that is Nigeria or US or UK, is the same thing. I can't see any difference. I know the truth. There is no difference. Many of the people you talk about, maybe in the United States today, who are doing very well, a lot of them are immigrants from, you know this guy, what is his name? Elon Musk. Is that his name? Yes, of um, Tesla. Many people don't know he's South African. Yes. Was as a grown-up that he went to school abroad and all of that. Okay? The fact is this. Where your child is born does not in any way determine, does not give him an advantage, does not give him a disadvantage. What really gives a failure an advantage or disadvantage is decided later. That passport issue at best says nothing. I don't want to sit on that matter now. Let me just leave that statement there. Okay? I won't say more than that. What I'm going to bring out here is this. When we are making decisions sometimes about our children, all right, as Christians, we don't talk like people whose minds are renewed. People seem to focus so much on the, econo the economic climate, academic climate of a nation as an example. 
And they don't even say anything about the spiritual climate. I'm not talking about renewing the mind. When your mind is renewed, when you want to judge, a renewed mind tells all these things are important. So you, you add everything together. It's all right. Education is good here. Economy is good here. What about the spiritual climate? What about the moral values? You just concerned about everything. And for me, because I know scriptures, I know that what my children need is a manifestation of the promise of God. And he said to Abraham, for it to happen, they must learn righteousness and justice. Righteousness and justice is more important for their destiny, the knowledge and practice of it, than a good degree from any country or their passport. If they don't understand righteousness and justice, no matter the passport they carry, no matter the degree they have, the promise of God in their lives is not manifest. That's what he said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 18. He said, I have chosen him because I know he will instruct his household, his children, his household after him, how to do righteousness in the way of the Lord, in doing righteousness and justice so that God can perform that which he has promised concerning him. That is, no matter how much I pray for my children and bless them, if righteousness and justice are not established in their lives, their destiny is in jeopardy. I know what I'm saying. I've not lost track. That was something that I told you, I told you digression. It came to my mind. That believers must be careful that when you are making decisions, you reason about all of these things. When you are talking, now back to what I was saying, talking about meditation, talking to one another. When you are talking, you must be careful in life that you don't speak against the Lord. I keep on emphasizing that to Christians. You must be careful that you don't speak against God when you are this. You are planning the destiny of your children. You are planning your investments. You are planning your life. You are discussing the country. I said something last time that we often forget how to, are you getting me, talk about the Lord. When we want to talk about God a lot of times, we want to say, oh, he's Jehovah, eh, 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 what do you call it? Find me another one, Shalom, eh, Rufeka, you use all kinds of names. Then we will now sit down. I will now want to discuss what's happening in our lives. What's, what kind of statement do we make? If APC does not get it right, we are finished in this country. You have re- withdrawn all the Jehovah, this Jehovah that you have declared, and have said, APC is God. Don't forget total faith. These are the times faith is determined. Listen, no, don't joke with personal conversation. Oh, don't joke. If you are in the corner talking, the Bible makes it clear, the Lord hears. You know, I've seen People, Christians mock God. They don't know. You come and teach and teach and teach and teach. You tell young women that your destiny is not determined by the kind of husband you marry. You are supposed to go into that home you are creating with the blessing of God inside your heart. I remember one, the one sister told me something one of her friends said. We all attended a faith seminar in school, marriage seminar. And they taught some of these divine truths. And the girl got to the hostel and said, jokingly, 
with our friends. Forget all that thing that Reverend, let's assume the name is Matthew, it's not Matthew. Forget all that thing that Reverend Matthew said. Though. Me, I am still going to look for a tall, dark, and handsome man to marry. You see, you must be careful you don't joke with God's word. Like I said, the foolish man says in his heart, let him just keep it in his heart. That's my emphasis. He shouldn't open his mouth to say it. Once I was preaching, it's then no go here. There was one big church, one of these Orthodox churches, they did a youth conference. The last day was a Sunday. Hall was full, and I was preaching. And the young people, it was a youth meeting, so I talked about marriage. And along the line, I was just explaining these divine principles. And I said, when I asked my wife to marry me and she agreed, the ring I gave her, I bought it in Yaba, Teju Show, for 300 naira. And everybody laughed. Of course, it was funny. 300 bucks, even at that time, it was cheap. That ring now, I don't think, okay, things have changed. Maybe it, it don't cost now. It should be expensive now. It should be up to 1,002. <laughs> yes. So, you know, it's not an expensive ring at all. All right? <laughs> for our international audience, let's give them in dollars. It's buying a ring for like $5. All right? Something like that. <laughs> you know, as long as I was saying it, you know, Holy Spirit is wonderful. There was this fine girl sitting somewhere towards the back on the right, on my right side of the hall. I don't know how Holy Spirit just says, look at her. I just saw her mouth tell her friends, I won't take it. The hall was full. That's what I told you about the side of the hall. She was sitting towards the back. My eyes just narrowed at that point. As she was talking to her friend, I said, I won't take it. I said, let me tell you the other things you will not take. Because you're looking at the ring. I said, no, it's not the ring. It's the man who gave it. Are you out of your mind? In my mind, who even wants to marry you? <laughs> you are saying I won't take it. I began, of course, I, I, I knew who I was talking to. The Holy Spirit filled my mouth with words for her. I began to tell her things she wouldn't take. You reject a 300 naira ring? I said my wife has never had to complain about her car before I buy a new one. I said, once, once it was her birthday, I remember that ring. So I went to the market and bought, not now, this was years ago, about 10 years ago. All right? I said, I bought, more than 10 years, I bought two rings for 50,000 naira. I began to tell her things. I said, oh, you won't take the 300 naira ring? Let me tell you the other things you will not take. You will not take this faithful husband who has eyes for no other woman apart from the one he has married. It's been 16 years. I love my wife now more than I did when I loved her at that time. I said, you won't take that. Those are the things you will not get for that statement. The girl humble. <laughs> Listen, when the word of God is coming forth, you, be, you are careful. You are careful. I can't be preaching. You sit down there and tell me, no, I won't take it. I was teaching divine principles. I was explaining that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. And you opened your mouth and said, I won't take it. You are spawning the counsel of God. Uh -uh. God is talking. And listen, forget the fact that I saw that girl in church. But in your bedroom, he's there and hearing it clearly. As you're sitting there with your friends and saying, hey, all that one they are saying, you know life is hard. Though. Better find a man that will take care of you. Meanwhile, you just left the church where I preached 
and I said, you're a child of God, you don't need, you don't, there are mindsets you're not supposed to have. Once I went somewhere to preach, when I finished preaching, talking about victory in Christ, some women left and said, this man does not understand African demons. As God will have it, it was reported to me. And I felt I owed them a duty to teach them the word of God. Bishop, you were there. Next day I came back, I was on fire. I said, you know your problem? Fear rules your life. I don't understand African demons. Come and sleep the way I do. Can you dare it? <laughs> you that understand African demons, sleep the way I do. I said, you can't. You wake up at night, you are praying. I wake up at night, if I have to pray, to give God thanks and meditate, plan some things, bless my home. I have never uttered the name of demons and witches when I wake up at night. It's an insult to my person. Satan, you can't keep me awake at night. Come when I have finished sleeping. I will not fast because of you. I will eat first if I have to handle you. If I want to fast, let me fast to, 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 to know the face of my God. Let me fast to understand his counsel. Let me fast so I can focus on what he has to say to me. But if he says he's a devil, I eat first. I didn't want to finish. I said, listen, if you can, talk the way I have spoken. But you can't because of what? Fear. Fear rules you. I said, follow the man that is free. Follow the one that is free. You are shouting against what I'm talking about. I tell you, there's victory in Christ. I don't know African demons. You are very stupid. I'm not saying I'm a great man. I said, there is victory in Christ. Who is the demon where my Christ stands? 